All right, so let's jump back in to the book of Acts. I know it's been a while since we've been there, because uh, it's been a while since I've been here. And uh, unless Brad did something in the book of Acts, I didn't know it. No? Okay. <laughs> Whenever I ask somebody to fill in for me, I don't tell them anything about what I'm doing, where we are. They can go wherever they feel led to go. If they pick up where I left off, fine. We'll do something else. But uh, um uh, at, at this point, we'll jump back in where we were. We were in chapter 13, actually, uh, if I remember correctly, the book of Acts. And we had just gone down through verse 12. And we were about to talk about Paul and Barnabas at, uh, at Antioch in, uh, in Pisidia. And we hadn't quite gotten into this. We had, we'd, we'd given some discussion about as Paul and Barnabas start their journey through the book of Acts here and they start their missionary journeys. We talked about how Paul uh, has developed this process of going into the synagogues, how he begins to preach to the Jewish people, how he um, uh, has this pattern of delivering the gospel message to each town that he comes to. And, and we're going to see that play out here in this, this Antioch as well. This is one of the many Antiochs uh, that exist throughout Rome. And um, as, as they are, again, coming into the city, uh, we're going to see what Paul does. Now, there's a lot here for us to read through. There's, uh, uh, what, 52 verses total in chapter 13. And, and, and what I want you to notice here as we start out at verse 13 in chapter 13 of the book of Acts, as we start to read through this, and it gets a little bit long, I, I want you to think about what we read earlier um, when Stephen was delivering his, his message and his sermon. And I want you to think about some of the differences maybe between what Stephen focused on versus what Paul focuses on, because they take a similar approach where they are they are essentially giving the a, a historical lesson of uh, what happened with the Israelites and what took place. But you'll, if you remember, Stephen focused pretty heavily on the way that the Israelites rejected God, and when we look at what Paul does, Paul's focusing a little bit more on God's grace and, and how he and how God approached the Israelites in their in their failure. <clears throat> so and I also want you to think about something we talk about constantly in here, and that is how in the world did all of these people, all of these Jewish people, all of these learned individuals who had studied the Old Testament, who had, you know, had lived it and been taught it, how did they miss Jesus as the Savior? How did they not see it? And, and what fascinates me is that when we read about Paul coming into a synagogue and sharing the scriptures, he's essentially reading God's word or sharing God's word or preaching God's word. What's different about Paul sharing and reading and preaching God's word than when the elders did it on another given day? And why did we have those convert to Christianity when they heard Paul preach, but when they heard the elders read the same words, they didn't see Christ in those words? That's something that just kind of boggles my mind how 
when Paul comes in and starts and starts talking, people start saying, "Oh." Is it because of who he was? Like that he had been Saul, they knew his past, and now here he is preaching. Perhaps the same people that he was going after to imprison, he's now preaching to them peace and love and. And it's a it's it's a it's it's the same words, but it's a different message. It's the same words, it's a, di- a different message. And and yeah, I mean, people, when you start to to know, somebody asked one time, uh, "What if Hitler had become a Christian? Would anybody have listened to him?" And I said, "Well, my goodness, look at look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, I think everybody would have been lining up to hear what Hitler had to say if he had become a Christian." Uh, because when you see that drastic of a conversion, it tends to carry more weight than when it's coming from somebody who hasn't gone, who hasn't gone through that. Um, and, and I think about uh, how the Apostle Paul, before his eyes were open on the road to Damascus, how he was doing what he thought was God's work. When he was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, being present at the stoning of Stephen, the things that were going on and that he was was okay with and was 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 pushing, that was his way of serving God. He thought, "Hey, I'm I'm where I need to be. This is what I need to do in order to protect what needs to be protected and to further what needs to be be, be further." And now he sees it the other way. And so all of the the learning that Paul had. Once his heart opened up, his mind opened up, and all the scriptures made sense. And and I imagine he's also able to, not that he's able to deliver anything eloquently, but he's he's got to be very convincing when he speaks. He's got to be. Anything else before we start reading? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do. We see that a lot in different churches where they go through different rituals or traditions, whatever. It's just a, you know, unless you're praying about it and you come in with the right mindset, it's just like, okay, it's just this. Yeah, it, I'm checking the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I did this, I done. Now I'll go want to do the next thing, done. Or, I'm sorry, it's finished. That's improper English. Getting your ticket punched. Getting your ticket punched, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Well, didn't even listen to Jesus reading the scriptures either. They rejected him. He's True. reading from Isaiah and telling them, I am the son of God. No, you're not. You're Joseph's son. Right. <laughs> so, it's all in who you hear it from and how. And now the Holy Spirit is descended upon people too, so... Yeah, there's a so so there's a lot of factors we need to take into consideration, right? Yeah, there are there are a lot of factors we need to take into consideration, and and I and I think that oh, I guess I, I kind of want to use this. I was going to use it later on, but I'll use it now. Think about the, the elders are not saved. The elders are not are not preaching the word with the power of the Holy Spirit behind them, and Paul is. And we have to have confidence in God's word not returning void. We have to have confidence when we witness to others that we use God's word and it's powerful and it will have an impact on others. So as part of our witnessing, as part of when we talk to others, 
uh, you know, I, I always go back to Brad because he's a sales guy. But we, we talk about this, develop your elevator pitch. Get that, get that two-minute speech together for how you would witness to somebody between the floors and elevator and make sure that you've got scripture involved in that and, and be ready, you know, as, as scripture tells us, be ready to, to give a reason for, for the hope that lies within you and let people know about it. And, and have confidence that God's word is alive and, it's, and it has power and it will do things within the heart of the individual uh, because that's the promise. And, and that's something that I think happens here as Paul delivers it with the power of the Holy Spirit behind him. We start to see things happen and we start to, to although, I mean, they still get run out of, I almost said run out of Dodge. I'm, I'm, I'm in a Western mode. I've been, I've been sitting up at night lately from about midnight to about 2 a.m. watching Gunsmoke. So forgive me. Yeah, if I if I you know start talking to like Festus here in a minute, just you know, just throw something at me. With Chester? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I keep showing people video of of Ken Curtis singing, and they they're like, "What? Really? That guy did that?" Anyway, I, let me get back on track. All right, let's jump back into uh, chapter 13, verse 13, and let's start reading about Paul and Barnabas at Antioch. It says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Take note of that because obviously that's going to create some issues later on with John Mark taken off. We're going to read some more about that in chapter 15 when we get there. Uh, it says, But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Now think back for a second when he witnessed to Cornelius. Cornelius was was a uh, was a Gentile, and he was called a God-fearer. So in the synagogues, you had the Jews, which were the men of Israel, and you also had those who were essentially seeking God to understand more about God, and they had adopted some of the Jewish traditions, and so they were present, and so he's addressing them at the same time, saying, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. <coughs> Excuse me. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man of my, of my heart, who will do all of my will. 
of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. He continues on in verse 26. His brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to, to the fathers, this has this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore he says, unto, or says also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. We're just going to finish on down through here, so bear with me. Verse 36, it says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was, <clears throat> and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. So we're seeing him quote from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Psalms. He's quoting from uh, uh, from, from uh, Habakkuk here. And, uh, <clears throat> and he's interpreting this as he goes along. And he's making these points that this was, this was temporary. This was something that was foreshadowing what was to come. Jesus has fulfilled all these things. Verse 42, it says, As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. So they're encouraged, it sounds like, right? It says, And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Now, verse 44, it says, The next Sabbath... Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. 
And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We'll pause there for just a minute. So he has preached to the Jews essentially, and the Gentiles simultaneously. But he is focused on the Jews because he's bringing the gospel first to the Jews. And as they have rejected him, he has said, you've judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. When you reject the word of the Lord, when you reject the good news, when you turn your back on the Savior, Savior then you obviously feel like you, you just, you're not worthy of, of receiving what Christ has to offer. So the scriptures tell us we are to deliver this to the Gentiles as well. And so we will turn to them and we will bring them the good news so that they too may be saved. In verse 48, he says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Verse 49, And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet, against them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So we did a lot of reading there um, about what's taking place as Paul is, <coughs> excuse me, is delivering the message uh, to them in the synagogue. And if you, if you kind of break down what is first, what is being said by Paul um, in the first in the, the first several verses, he's, he's laying this, this preparation, right? Um, he's reviewing the history of Israel. He brings it to, to kind of a climax with John the Baptist and the coming of the Messiah. Um, and, and he makes it clear that it was, it was God who was at work and that God was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus. And, and he reminds them uh, that that the nation had not always been faithful to the Lord and had rebelled. Uh, but he talks about how God, you know, kind of God gave them uh, what they were asking for and he appeased them and showed them grace. But through all of this, he was paving the way for the Messiah to come. And he brings it to a head by talking about um, John the Baptist. And then as he moves on, he addresses both the Jews and the Gentiles in the congregation. And, and, he, and, and you'll notice, too, and look at verse 20, 26 through 37. Let's see if this holds true. Um, it says, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. He changes his approach. He, he goes from a third person to a second person approach and starts explaining to them and declaring the salvation, uh, declaring Jesus as the, as the savior <clears throat> and continuing to talk about and to, to quote scripture. So he's, he's working in and out of this and laying the foundations for them. And we know of course that they wanted to hear more. We know what happened the next time that he began to speak, the Jews get stirred up. We know that, 
the we've talked about it you know ever since we got into the book of acts that the the jews as they get stirred up they're concerned about losing their power they're concerned about losing their their position of status and so as soon as you start to see people following anything other than what they teach they're pushing to try and and get back their their power and uh and it's all about it's all about selfishness it's all about pride it's all about trying to maintain what it is that that you you don't want to let go of um and so they see Paul and they see Barnabas as a threat to their, to their good standing and their control over the people, and they start to speak out against them, and things start to happen. But note that through all of that, people are hearing the word of the Lord, the church is growing, things are happening, things are moving. Um, I'll stop talking and get feedback and... Uh, what uh, what is it, does anything strike you out of this passage as uh, something you'd like to bring up and discuss? And let's see if we can talk about some things for a few minutes. I like verse fifty one. It says, "So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went went to the town of Iconium." It's just an act of obedience, as Jesus told them. You know, not everyone's going to receive the word if if they don't shake the shake the dust off your feet and roll out. Which is sad news, knowing that not everybody's going to receive the, the message. But yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, but it's it that's that's every when I when I read that I think about um, um, uh, Adrian Rogers. I heard Adrian Rogers preach one time, and he said uh, he said I can only imagine that when uh, when folks who have heard the gospel and rejected it appear before the Lord. For judgment and they say but i never had an opportunity he'll say you see that dust that dust right there those are from the shoes of the people who witnessed to you and that's the evidence that they were here and that's the evidence that you rejected him and every time i read through that i think about i think about that the the traces that are left behind uh as evidence and and you know we're <clears throat> when it comes to friends and family especially I am I am quite guilty of wanting to continue to pound the message and keep going back and going back and going back and try to find some way. And I, I, I pray that it's not pride within me that wants them to listen to me and that it's a it's a true desire to see them saved. But it's a stronger feeling with friends and family than it is with just general acquaintances. And it almost always, again, with, with me, and you all have heard me say this before, leads to a level of discussion that is no longer sharing the gospel. It's an argument. It's a, you know, it, it, it falls apart and, and, it, and it damages things as opposed. And so at what point do you shake the dust from your feet and move on. I was going to say the same thing about friends and family. I'm on the other end of the spectrum where I, I probably don't persist enough. But there's a balance. Like there is. How much do I? How much do I want to beat this person to death? Yeah. What I've got to say. It's just a constant inner turmoil of do I persist? Do I? Obviously, you don't want to shake the dust off your feet with your family because they're your family. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just an internal battle every time I'm around. Yeah. Close man. But hurts. Yeah. And then they don't want to be around you anymore. They say, we don't want to be around that Jesus freak, or we want to invite him to that that next family thing or what? And that's, and that's where it, it has come, you know, with some, with, with some of my brothers and me, you know, they've, they've, they've said things to my mom. Mom is so wonderful. Mom shares everything with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my brothers will say something about me and she'll be happy to tell me about it. And, uh, and, and it's been things like, well, that John is just so religious. Or that John is just, John's not comfortable around the things that we do. So, you know, so no, we don't invite him. Um, and, and that's, you know, okay, that's, that's fine. But uh, uh, I think I'd rather be known for that than something else. Um, but it, you, you're right, it does lead to that where there's, there becomes a strain on relationships, whether it, it's, it should be there uh, or shouldn't be there. You know, I think about, I think about Jesus um, and, and talking about how, when, when should we tire of doing good? You know, seven times 70, we keep going back. And, and there, but there comes a point where the things that we feel like we're doing as good are no longer doing good. It's kind of like, it's kind of like working with an addict. Eventually, there's certain things that you do where you're enabling. You're no longer doing things out of love. You're you're doing things that actually make things worse. And so you have to be able, I think, to analyze your actions and say, am I really still doing good? I should never tire of doing good, but is this still really good? And I think there comes a point where you have to really look at, at what you're doing and uh, and I think we obviously have to prayerfully consider it all, and you have to be led by the Spirit. And and I think when it comes to our friends and family, we, uh, me, I'll say me, I won't say we. I have this problem of sometimes taking the Holy Spirit and putting Him in the back seat, and I start to try to accomplish my goal. I start to say, no, you've got to listen to me now. Whereas if I were listening to the Holy Spirit, I might have a different attitude. I might have a different approach. I might stop talking sooner, you know. And uh, in here, I don't hardly ever stop talking. But <laughs> Mary, we can't get annoying by praying for somebody too. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Why you gotta say things so simplistically and make me go? Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah. No, thanks for smacking me inside the head. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, forgive me, but you are so much like your mother. You really are. You and your mom. Mm. Circumstances change. They do. Circumstances change in a person's life, and you have to be, if you're there and able to see a crack in that door or something, then we're. Yeah, they don't want anything to do with God now, but all of a sudden something happens and then they start looking for him. You got You're there. You want them to be able to come to you. Without a doubt. And I have been approached that way, you know, with somebody that I talk to and talk to and talk to. You know, and you can tell kind of I'm trying to get on her nerves and you know, something happens in their life and it's you know, hey, would you pray for me or pray with me because I'm really going through these things. Yeah. You know, Jesus said too, something you went back to. Jesus said too that the prophet's not accepted in his own family. That's right, exactly right. Yeah. His own family, you know. 
Yep. Even his even his own family did not uh, did not believe on him until after uh, until after the crucifixion. And uh, that's true. Paul was doing something that the Jews didn't like. He was preaching to the Gentiles. But they knew this was going to happen when you go to Isaiah 42, verse 6. You go to Isaiah 49, verse 6. And it was telling them they would go to the Gentiles. The Jews thought the Gentiles were dogs. And they yeah. lost the fact that Paul was preaching to them. But he also had to remember there was a lot of Jewish prophets too. Yes, there were, without a doubt. And and so he addresses both of them. I had somebody ask me Wednesday night after our, our Bible study. They came up to me and said, in, in the Old Testament, is it really laid out, A, B, C, D, E, essentially, that this is what will happen, that the Savior will come, born of a virgin, and that this will happen and he'll be crucified and so on. Is it really, I haven't really studied it. Is it really laid out that way? You know, essentially, yes. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's all there. And, and they asked me, how in the world did they miss it? If it's really laid out, don't you think they would have looked at it and went, hey, <laughs> this, this makes sense. And I said, yeah, but, but there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. You know, there's a difference between studying the scriptures and, and saying, wow, I, I get, I understand all of this. This makes sense to me. And then having your heart opened up by God to where they, you go from a knowledge of the scriptures to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's a, it's a different experience. It's a different place. And uh, uh, that's why if you think about, if you think about Paul, Paul knew all this stuff. But literally, when, when Jesus opened his eyes, he opened his heart. And then all of the things he knew made sense. Uh, Donna Dudar would always teach the, the Trek kids about how you need to learn the scriptures, learn the scriptures, learn the scriptures, because the more you know, the more God can use you. And she always goes back to the Apostle Paul and says he knew so much about the scriptures that the moment that he reached salvation, he was so useful. He could be used so well by God. And so the more you know, the more you can be used. And it's a, it's, I think it's a, it's a valid point. Mary. It seems like he's not using the law to condemn. He's using no. it to show grace. Grace, yeah. And also... To go back to what Mary said in uh, 42, the Gentiles begged that these words may be preached to them the next Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, when have we ever begged to? Yeah. <laughs> that is um, it is powerful. And uh, wouldn't it wouldn't it be wouldn't it be wonderful if there were people lined up at the church door every Sunday morning before it opens, going, "May we hear the word of God? May we hear the word of God?" And then think about all the folks who do go to so many churches. And I, I want to be careful because I'm not trying to point any fingers, but so many churches where you never hear the word of God, uh, where where the word of God is not preached, where salvation is not really spoken of. Um, <laughs> And they're tickling ears. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to go any further than that and get into uh, chapter 14 this morning. Um, 
a good good discussion i am going to start wrapping things up here as we tend to do at 10 40 so that folks can start coming in and um not uh feel uncomfortable by walking into me sitting here babbling um it's so difficult john i'm getting back to what you were saying in witnessing right whether it be family friends neighbors or just the world in general you know i i you always think is there anything i can do is there anything that lord use me you know i, I don't I, I think in my mind on judgment day will god say to me brad i put this person in your path why didn't you say something but then i also think vice versa Brad, I put this person in your path, and you're supposed to be quiet. You're supposed to use the two years that I gave you instead of one out and listen. And it's like, it's just such a, you know, I think a, a very, very fine line and, and, and tight road to walk. It's, it's very difficult to talk. I mean, I, I, I struggle with that as well. It's, it's very difficult. But I, I will say something that uh, the shirt. I think was it for Awanas who asked us, or was it PBS? Uh, one of our favorite verses. Yeah, yeah, for Awana, I asked everybody to to yeah to do that on their shirts. Not the shirt, or to the gym yesterday. And of course, Shannon comes up to me teasing me. He's he's trying to. If that's your favorite verse, and it says, "Ask me about it." Right. Yeah. So I was I was trying to tell him, you know, paraphrasing this or that, but that's not the story I wanted to tell. <laughs> Sandy, we were together. And a lady behind us had said something to her. I said, oh, did you, you work with her or something or whatever? And she's like, shh, <laughs> And I'm like, I don't hear well, right? And that, of course, my whispering is like yelling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, she's like, so anyway, so she tells me later, she's like, the lady came up and she said that uh, uh, she read the verse on her phone. I guess she looked it up on her phone. And she said, I really needed that because I had a really rough week or something like that. Same well, think what, I, what I, I did. Is I never said it. <clears throat> I, I didn't say it. I just had a shirt on, you know, or whatever. But that's a double-edged sword, right? Oh, it is. You, you wear a shirt and then you're, you're doing something, you know, or whatever. And you got to be ready. Yeah, so I mean, uh, anyway. Well, I'll take what I did. About two years ago, maybe three, uh, for the children's ministry here, I asked all the workers, um, let us know what your favorite verse is. And so I made them all T-shirts that on the back said, ask me about, and I put that verse underneath of it. And uh, so that was something that I was hopeful that, one, while they're wearing those shirts here and the parents come in, it would hopefully spark a little bit of conversation. And then if, you, if you're bold enough to wear them out in public, it'll spark some additional conversation. And, uh, and it's good to know that, that it, at least people saw it, looked it up, and said, oh, you know, that's, that's a, a verse I needed to hear. So it's a, it was, it was a way to, a way to, to open up the door to witnessing. <laughs> well, thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you for the conversation. Um, let's see. Steve, would you close for us, please? Absolutely. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, dear Lord. Thank you for this day. And thank you for everything. And this family here with us, dear Lord. And thank you for the word we just heard. We hope that you help it to live in our hearts, dear Lord, and that we can share it with others. We ask you, Lord, that you're with us this day, and if anyone who has a time to do the Lord, if they be willing to come forward today and make that decision. We thank you for this church and this time together, dear Lord. Thank you for your son who died for us. We ask that you bless all of this.
Amen. Amen.